David, it's week five in the NFL, and a lot of guys are coming back from suspension. I want to know, what performance-enhancing drug have you been taking for the last four weeks? Tums? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get that calcium. Welcome to the Drink 5 Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. I am Jason Evans, joined as always by Dave Biggs. Hello. And we are here to talk a little bit about Week 4, some more Week 5. More of Week 5 than Week 4, let's be honest here. Uh, Because that's what matters the most, is what you're going to do in fantasy football, not what you did in fantasy football. This could spark a whole big discussion, and I do like talking about things that happened in the past, but you're right, not tonight. We're going to get over that quickly, uh, over the hump, and move on to analysis for week five. Right, but first, Dave, i got to know, what are you drinking? I have this really interesting uh, seasonal beer from Half Acre. It's called Bodum, and uh, past and future, uh, they all combine to form some sort of phallic volcano on the front of it, which is just interesting, I guess. Was it thrown onto the field at the Bills game? Uh, <laughs> it's a India Pale Hill from Half Acre in Chicago. Really good. Really tasty. It's a tall boy, which I love. So um, I'm a big fan. And you are also drinking uh, a Half Acre beer, right? I am. It's a Daisy Cutter Pale Ale, the classic from Half Acre. The, remember when we made a... Um, In a normal can. We made a risotto before with uh, with chicken sausage, jalapeno chicken sausage, and double... Double Daisy Cutter. Double Daisy Cutter. So I recommend to anybody who's in the area or can find Half Acre beers, the double Daisy Cutter is is the bomb. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I love it. All right, so we can dive right into week four, which we promised you we wouldn't do. But some interesting things did happen in week four. Um, So Chris Godwin did seem pretty questionable throughout the week, and he balled out on Sunday. He had 12 catches, 172 yards, two touchdowns, and the Bucs won 55-40. to It was a pretty crazy game for the Bucs. They scored the most points, I think, in franchise history. You knew Godwin was on deck for this for a while. This is... Even though he's already kind of broken out, this is the breakout game uh, this year because I bet you he he does something similar again. Oh, yeah, he's got 96 yards per game now, four touchdowns on the season, 26 catches already. I really like what we've seen out of Godwin so far. Um, so are you you know sold on the Bucks offense being a big producer for the rest of the year? Do you want to sell high on Godwin right now? Like, do you think it's going to... It's going to last. He's the he's WR two in standard scoring, WR three in PPR. I love Godwin. I think uh, he's got some of that same kind of juju as Juju. Uh, the Smith Schuster last year on Pittsburgh performed really well when they had when he had Antonio Brown, who is distracting half of the defense. Sounds like a job title. Yeah, well, you're this, a Smith Schuster. I am a Smith Schuster. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have had have some, some more peanut butter, Dave. That's right. So. The point is, if you have a guy like Mike Evans or like Antonio Brown, who are two of the best wide receivers to ever do it, at least in the past uh, several years, Mike Evans is going to take a lot of those guys, those DBs or secondary, away. And then Chris Godwin is going to come in as a guy who's almost as good and probably is as good in different respects. Um, but they can't guard both of them, and they can't double-team both of them. So yeah. right now, they're double-teaming Mike Evans, which makes sense because he's a bigger red zone threat. He's a bigger guy in Well, general. by the way, Mike Evans, WR3 in standard leagues. There you WR4 go. in PPR. And so you've got Chris Godwin, who is going to continue to do really well week after week. 
And that is kind of quarterback proof for me. I think that he has come out now as being a really good wide receiver. Uh, what what is it now? His uh, is it his third year in the wide receiver in the uh, NFL? Is this a proper third year breakout, Dave? It is his third year, and he only had eight forty two last year. So he's following the rules, Chris Godwin. He's following our rules, uh, and and everybody Chris knows Godwin just rules, buddy. Yeah, everybody knows how it works. Uh, the the regular wide receiver breakout strategy is you, you do better each year until the third year, in which case no one can guard you anymore. Uh, and then you're going to be good that year and maybe the next, and then everybody will guard you with a double team because you'll have somebody else on your on your team that's going to start getting some of those passes. That's true. It's not like they can keep that core together forever. But for this year, I would recommend keeping Godwin. Don't sell him high unless you're really getting a king's ransom for him. Well, let me answer your question uh, because I kind of skipped around it. Because I was just um, you you're know, too excited about thinking him. about Chris. Yeah, I got him in a couple leagues, uh, particularly a dynasty league. I've had him for his whole career, which is great to to have that arc. Um, to watch that happen, yeah, that's it's, fun. It's not Noah's arc, but it's a good one. Um, but I uh, see, not a K. <laughs> I think that uh, Jameis Winston will continue to be an up and down quarterback, but that that offense will have um, enough to feed both of those receivers for the rest of the year. So it's going to be one of those things where uh, does one go off or the other? I'm not sure. But regardless, both of them have a floor that's high enough to start every week. Fantastic. I like keeping them. Uh, as I said, I think you would recommend that as well. I, so, don't, I don't say sell, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So um, the QB 4 through 8, so the guys who finished in the um, – or sorry, 5 through 8. Uh, I got my numbers a little bit wrong. But the, the you know those four guys – were all probably free agents in your league. It was Jacoby Brissett, owning 52% of leagues as of today after waivers. Matthew Stafford, 53%. Mariota, 13%. Joe Flacco, 7%. They all had 23 to 23 and a half points. Uh, so Stafford and Brissett are in the top 10 this year uh, through four weeks. But but you say 53, 50, 52% in Yahoo Ownership leagues. In Yahoo it leagues. probably means that in most leagues with smart players listening to podcasts that it's more like 70%, I would say. Um, I guess I consider us to be a smart league, and they were not owned. None of those guys are owned in Drink 5, huh. in our Drink 5 league. So it's a 10-team league. But it, it also matters if it's 10 or 12, yeah. yeah. But but I hear you. You're saying uh, 50-50, like toss a coin, maybe Stafford isn't owned in your league. Sure. So in two quarterback leagues, they're all owned. But in a single quarterback league, probably not. Or, or you have a 50-50 chance, really, at them not being owned. Um, so Mariota is the QB 12. So those guys are all right near the top of the of the heap there. So are you streaming or starting any of these guys in a single quarterback league right now, Dave? So just in a single QB league. I uh, I know we both have a, a small handful or a large handful of leagues, I should say. Well, it's an interesting question to ask just me because I I have situations as such that, you know, uh, that maybe I wouldn't be starting one of these particular guys. But okay. I do have Stafford in a league where I... Uh, I made certain trades in the quarterback position, and I specifically kept him because I don't, I didn't believe that he just had a down, um, that he was going to continue on a downward trend. And uh, everyone last year, when the Lions were trying to run more, they were throwing less. I didn't think that was actually what was going to happen with Stafford, and it, and it isn't. Uh, he's actually throwing more and deeper than most of the people that are out there as quarterbacks. He's thrown the hell out of the ball to Kenny Galladay, that's for sure. Uh, I have Brissett as well, but in that league, it happens to be a, a super flex league. So yeah. So I'm going to say, uh, in in a lot of my leagues right now, uncharacteristic of my own drafting habits. I have some top tier quarterbacks, so I don't need to worry about those in one quarterback leagues. I okay. don't. I don't tend to carry 
two quarterbacks in regular uh, uh, ten-team quarterback leagues. Okay, I'll, I'll just stream somebody. But but I think that in most of our leagues, um, Stafford and Brissett should both be started or played, especially now going forward. I agree. I uh, also had Brissett and Stafford. I drafted into a superflex league. I don't have either of them in a single. QB league, although where I am streaming, if they were available, I think that they would be great options right now. Uh, so I want to know, of these four guys, who has the best chance of ending the season in the top ten? I think we're probably between two guys here. Um, but I like Stafford to finish the season in the top ten. I think it's it's pretty clear that uh, that Stafford, with the pedigree and the receivers, etc., has a bigger chance than... Jacoby Brissett, although Brissett has a little bit more athleticism as far as running. They may have the a more talented team in Indy, too. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Stafford's got Galladay and Jones, and uh, they've got uh, on Johnson. Well, T.Y. Hilton is better than any T.Y. Hilton's guys. not playing football right now. That's a, that's a problem for Jacoby <laughs> Brissett, for sure. So, I mean, they have a bunch of rookies that could be talented. I think the receivers are more talented in general in, in Detroit. So I'm going with Stafford. Interesting. Well, I, I like I said, I go with Stafford as well. And now, uh, finally, can we agree not to mention Joe Flacco for the rest of the evening? Uh, no, but uh, I probably won't. <laughs> and I also don't think that Joe Flacco or Mariota are going to be people that are on this list for very much longer. Okay. Uh, so the New England defense and special teams is the sixth highest scoring, quote-unquote, air quotes, player. Uh, on fantasy football this year. So do we break our general rules and carry them through the bye week? That's week 10. And are they matchup proof? So I, you know, I'll throw my opinion out there. I will, I have them in two leagues. I will definitely uh, sacrifice a bench spot to hold on to them. New England is... And I will start them every week. New England's defense is is good, but there's a reason for it. It's because they have the softest schedule in all of football. But the schedule continues like the rest of the year. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm saying it's apparent, which is kind of a joke, to be honest with you. uh, That, you know, the team that wins the Super Bowl also has the easiest schedule. I don't know how this even occurs. Uh, It's because they play in the AFC East. Well... In a division that they've beaten down everyone for so long that they're just no good. Regardless, um, I, I still don't think you hold on to defenses, but if you have enough bench slots, there's no real reason to keep a guy like Marquise Goodwin or uh, Peyton Barber or something over the New England defense if the New England defense is scoring 10-plus points per game and becomes an actual fantasy player for your team. Yeah, okay. Um, so I guess I agree with you. But, in, in, but I mean, they have to be this good, basically. Yeah, they have to be this good. Just like you have to be this tall to ride the ride. You yeah, know? you have yeah. to be New England good to keep them on defense. No, you have to play the worst teams. <laughs> you have to have those kind of matchups. <laughs> so, you know, I, I ask if they're matchup-proof. I guess that doesn't matter because all their matchups are pretty good. I, I think they play a lot of young quarterbacks this year. Um, you know, so, I, you know, it's awesome. If you manage to pick them up, well, everybody, I don't think anybody picked them up like in, in their draft. Everybody plays. Uh, New England was drafted, at least uh, in, in some of my leagues, they were. But uh, everybody plays young quarterbacks this year because There's half the quarterbacks are injured. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so the Browns' offense finally woke up. Nick Chubb led the way. He was the top performer in Week Four. He had 36 points, which is about 20 percent higher than the second highest guy. So is that in standard scoring or PPR? Standard, right? Yeah, yeah, standard scoring. If I mention points, it's standard. If I mean PPR, I try to say PPR. So that's just a general rule that I have uh, when talking about stuff on the website. Anyways, um, 183 yards was uh, you know highlighted by an 88-yard touchdown run. He had three touchdowns overall. So uh, 
I want to know, do you think the Browns have figured it out or did they just exploit a crappy team in the Ravens because the Ravens defense has been hot garbage in the last few weeks? Well, we've talked about this at length, right? Yes, we talked about the Browns a lot today, but that is not for, you know, but our, our fans didn't get to hear that, Dave. So no, tell us what you think about the Browns. No, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I'd rather not talk about the Browns as much as I want to talk about the Ravens, although I don't disagree with you that obviously the Cleveland Browns showed up, scored a lot of points. Most of that was Nick Chubb, uh, but but a lot of that too was uh, receiving because the run game was, was wide open. And you know whenever that happens, when a team starts scoring a whole bunch of points, they tend to kind of open the floodgates. So this is nothing unusual What's unusual is that they played the Baltimore Ravens and that happened. In fact, in a lot of leagues, depending on how the scoring was, Baltimore Ravens scored minus six. They scored negative points. Negative points in the DST. And this is people that had gotten Baltimore at a high draft position because they knew how good they were in years prior. And that's crazy. Yeah. So if you look at in Yahoo or ESPN or Flea Flicker or wherever you play, uh, the drop rate of the Ravens right now, it's huge. And that makes total sense. Now, I was talking to you guys about this earlier, um, you and another writer from the, uh, from the website, Mike uh, Mosarino, and I was looking at a, a subreddit, um, specifically at a, a defense column um, in slash r slash fantasy football, if anybody visits that community, and there's a Ravens fan there, and I like listening to the Ravens fans, I like listening to the beat reporters about a team, so whenever I'm, I'm interested in it, I do a little research. Anyway, quote, he said, Ravens fan here, our defense is awful this year. We lost our slot cornerback and Tavon Young for the year. Jimmy Smith, our cornerback two for at least a few more weeks. And the safety, Tony Jefferson, has been the worst defensive player in football this season, literally. Literally the worst. So if even the Ravens fans are, are quoting how horrible their defenses are, um, looking at Cleveland as breaking out is maybe not something we should do. However... I, I do agree with you in, in multiple terms that I'm sure we'll get to later. One, Nick Chubb is the best football player on that team, and he deserves all the things that he got out of that game because he worked for him. Two, Baker Mayfield, um, he, he looks rough, but he's still getting it done, um, at least in this game, with Jarvis Landry, who had an amazing game, uh, and Odell Beckham Jr., who's been getting passes. That's pretty much all I can say about Throwing Odell. Throwing passes, too. Yeah, well, he's pretty good at that. Him and... Uh, um, oh, he launched it. The guy should have caught that ball well, <laughs> right through his hands. From what I saw, Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, Jalen Samuel should be quarterbacks in this league. They're, they're probably Jalen had a, had a, a good outing too. He was throwing touch passes, and you know maybe we'll touch on that later. But I, I think that Baker Mayfield is not very good this year. I think Nick Chubb is really good, and I think if Nick Chubb is able to continue to step it up regardless of whether or not the defensive level they played against was was relevant, I guess, in the NFL, because it's borderline. Sure. And we'll get more to more of the Ravens later. Then then the wide receivers will, will get theirs, and Baker will get more comfortable. But but right now, I still think it's 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 okay to, to think about leaving Baker Mayfield on the waiver wire in one quarterback leagues. So are you selling high on some of the Browns? Like, do you think that they can sustain... Uh, what they've figured out in the last week? I don't know what they've figured out. They scored a bunch of points. Uh, I think Nick Chubb is great. I don't see any reason to sell high on Nick Chubb. I think he'll continue to score touchdowns and get yardage. I think if you're going to sell high, you should do it on Jarvis Landry, but, I mean, the guy just had a concussion, so it's difficult when you can't operate machinery uh, to uh, be... Or be around bright lights. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and Odell Beckham, I think you would agree that that he's a buy low candidate because not only um, has he had a history and um, and should be good based on his targets, etc., but also because in his years past he has started slow as an almost rule. That's true. That's very true. So uh, I definitely agree buy low on Odell if someone's selling. Sure. Um, and it, so, so last week you told us to cut Baker. Now you say, stick with that. Would you think stick to your guns? You think Baker is suddenly great again? No, I, 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 I was. That was the most controversial, quote unquote, <laughs> cut that you had last week, in my opinion. However, I'm not. Um, I'm not going back on that yet. I'm not racing to pick up Baker. I would much rather have, as we mentioned earlier, Jacoby Brissett or Matthew Stafford right now than Baker Mayfield. Unfortunate because I drafted Baker a little too high in a few places, but that's what happens during drafts. Well, the thing about Baker too is, and, and, and we can we can finish covering the the Browns Ravens game, but uh, he only completed twenty passes uh, for one touchdown and one interception. Right. It's not like he had a great game. It was old Chubb. Uh, he had a couple big completions, which padded his yardage to 342. But if we look at his actual points scored in that game, it's not that much, right? Like he's he hasn't like eclipsed the the range uh, of of where we thought he would be. Uh, yeah, his point range is mm, it's probably like 12 to 20. So here we go. I got it. Uh, not even. It's. 10 to 16. Yeah, so not worth starting in one quarterback league. He's not even a, at Gardner Minshew's level. And he's not going to score 40 points in, in every game. So you look at this game, he's still not throwing passing touchdowns. It's Nick Chubb who leads that team, clearly. I like the Chubby as well. <laughs> well, well, well. We'll figure it out. So I don't know if Jason told you guys, but usually there's a theme for the music in every show. Uh, and I there's think, a theme. I think there's a theme still here this evening. So if, I can give you all a hint. It has something to do with week four in the NFL. If you are able to uh, translate that theme into words, and send those words to Jason at drink5.com or David drink5.com or via our Facebook page, Twitter page, etc., then we will send you a little something. A little something, something. You may win a prize, folks. So prize. Uh, each week I have an article called the week five or the the injury impact. It's not always week five because that would be weird. Um, each week you have the week five injury, which <laughs> is prolific as fuck in week two. There we go. Uh, I'm going to go through all the regular skill positions and we'll try to make it quick-ish, but sometimes it results in conversation. I hear that conversation is good on a podcast. That's one of the number one things that podcasts feature. So uh, I'm I'm here to help. We're going to talk about quarterbacks first. Mitchell Trubisky. Yes, I'm calling him Mitchell. Uh, it is I the, thought he wanted to be called Mitch this year. No. He Look at this. We're already conversing. It's not a reversal. It's, it's. I think so. It's the least I can do. He said, guys, you can call me Mitch now. For a guy that's being outplayed by his backup, Chase Daniel. And he's uh, not even really outplaying him. He's just running the offense in a basic format. He's just playing. <laughs> 
So uh, he's, not, not so different from Kyle Allen. Trubisky clearly not living up to expectations so far in 2019. Injury was to the left, which is the non-throwing shoulder. He's right-handed. Happened early in the game against the Vikings in week four. So if you remember, if you guys saw the game and didn't just watch Red Zone, he was, uh, he was reaching out with his arm, with his left arm, to try to recover a fumble um, that was coming out. Um, and someone landed on top of him on his arm with all of their weight. Now, I, I don't remember exactly who the player was that landed on top of him, but I assume that they were at least 250 pounds being a defensive football player, <laughs> yeah. and probably more than that. And so what he ended up doing is tearing uh, the labrum, um, which was confirmed by an MRI just recently. And it's actually not that serious of an injury, except that a, a torn labrum can actually lead to a dislocation very easily. So it's kind of one of those things, like we talk about Sam Darnold, he has mononucleosis, how we got that we're not really talking about, but the fact that he has that means we don't kiss and tell. he has an enlarged spleen, and he still kind of does, apparently, according to what I've been hearing recently, so that's why they're, they're not urging him to go back real quickly. So we don't think Trubisky is going to play this week, even if he could, but what's interesting is is that the Bears have a bye week in week six. So he probably, I guess he's flying to um, to England because they're playing overseas. Free trip to England. Why the fuck not? Yeah, they're playing overseas. He gets to drink at the at the pub just like everybody else. But he will probably have a, um, uh, what do you call it, a shoulder brace for the rest of the season, which may be a little bit interfering with the athleticism that he does have. Not too much, but he's already not doing very well. So I don't think that's going to be helpful. So far this year, Trubisky has thrown three touchdowns, all in the same game and all to the same person, Taylor Gabriel. I believe those were all mistakes. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but it's clear that he is not on the regular uh, doing well as far as throwing touchdowns to his main receivers. Let's be honest. All those touchdowns to Taylor Gabriel almost came on wide-open plays. He was just not being covered. It, it was it was kind of a ridiculous series of events. He's had two interceptions in that same time period. He provides more of an athletic element than Chase Daniel, but he's performing at a very low level. I would consider him in the bottom third of quarterbacks. Uh, you can say whatever you want. I'm in the Chicago area. I know a lot of people that will probably uh, you know want to put me on the on the cross for for saying this kind of stuff, but <laughs> but it's true. He's not doing well. That is clear. So. Uh, my question to you then, Jason, is if Mitch Trubisky isn't doing well and Chase Daniel is just filling in and doing as good or better than he was, um, is there going to be something that happens with the quarterback position this year or are they just going to kind of run it out all year with the defense and pass it to Allen Robinson every play? You know, I could definitely see um, Chase Daniel being the kind of guy who cuts down on turnovers and is able to win games because – of the defense and, you know, is good at handing the ball off. Was he more of a Kyle Orton? Down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could see, like... Is this a Rex Grossman-Kyle Orton situation? <laughs> I could see them having a lot of pressure to keep Daniel in there if he's winning games. Now, uh, I think you mentioned that he could possibly return as soon as week seven. Is that right? Yeah, so his injury is only going to keep him out for a week at most. So, uh, yeah, that, that that's probably not enough time for Daniel to accumulate, like, fantastic... Uh, sort of goodwill, if yeah. you will, in I, Chicago. I heard the Bears fans want Trubisky back soon, and Daniel didn't even go to Camp Troops. 
Look, it would be best for the Bears if Mitchell Trubisky played for two reasons. Either he's going to be better than Chase Daniel because he's supposed to be, and that's what you want in there, or he's going to play out the rest of the year and he'll be bad, and they will understand that they have to move on from him because by next year they're going to have to decide if they're going to pay him or not. So I I think that uh, Trubisky needs to play this year rather than putting that decision off for a whole other year. Fair enough. Um, I'm not going to talk about all of the fringe players in this offense because they're not good enough yet to talk about. Josh Allen had a concussion, helmet-to-helmet hit, knocked him out of the game quite literally. It looked like he got knocked out. He was clearly unconscious. Yeah, Yeah. because the players reacted instantly. There was a couple hits like that this week. You know, every week has a kind of theme. This was the sort of the week of the vicious concussion hit. Yeah, not not my favorite <laughs> week in the NFL. Well, you love the NFL, so you got to love everything about it, you know what I mean? Well, you don't. I do. Going up against the Titans on Sunday. Big fan of concussions over here, Dave Biggs. Well, make money, money, money. <laughs> Allen should have enough time to get healthy for the game, but it is a situation to monitor. Uh, because when people go into the concussion protocol, as most of you know already, they only have um, a certain amount of time to be able to practice uh, in full uh, and be cleared then a lot of times when it's one week or especially when there's less than a week available, they don't end up suiting up. For him, uh, he should be able to do it this week, but if he doesn't, you know, I'm not going to send him a letter uh, whining about it or anything. Yeah, if he doesn't, it'll be former Bear Matt Barkley. Right, then it's Matt Barkley time, and that's not good for anybody. No, he was 1-5 in as a Bear. Your guy, Gardner Minshew. Yeah. He has a knee injury. No. I actually I read a couple of <laughs> I read a couple of reports uh, right after week four. One of them said that he actually had an ankle sprain and a knee injury, but that got wiped away from the beat reporters that I was looking at. And I'm I'm just wondering like if this is some kind of massive conspiracy or if Gardner Minshew is made up of, of former past great quarterbacks. He just rubbed some dirt on it, dude. He's there's, fine. There's a lot of DNA in there. <laughs> um, but but ultimately what should happen with this knee injury that showed up uh, just recently, limited in practice, no reason to think that'll affect him suiting up against the Panthers. So Minshew mania, we're still alive. We're here. They're playing the Panthers this week. Backup quarterback versus backup quarterback. That's right. I'm all about that. Boom. We're talking about running backs. Let's look at Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, another concussion. Just like I said, every position has one. Oh, that's right. There was a really bad hit on Thursday night, too. So he was violently hit last Thursday, taken off the field on a spine board. And that's not a board shaped like a spine. It's a board where they lay you on it so your spine doesn't move. It probably should be shaped it like a spine. It probably is shaped a little bit just like your spine. Maybe it's shaped like a spine. <laughs> he did not practice today. I'm going to Google this shit. Or today is Wednesday, and it's likely that Aaron Jones will get the lion's share of work whether or not uh, Williams is able to practice. I probably should have said the, the Packers' share of work, but that didn't make as much sense. So I, I took that out um, sure. of, uh, of my notes. We can order one of these from Amazon. A spine board? Yeah. That's okay. It's nice that he'll get some extra time to go through the concussion protocol because he was injured on Thursday night. Uh, so there aren't any other running backs in the depth chart that I really want to talk about um, or that are worth discussion on the Packers. I, I think uh, what's going to happen is Williams will be held out for a week. Aaron Jones will be the guy. And I, I would not be surprised if Aaron Jones gets more work than usual, especially, as we'll talk about in a little bit, if Devontae Adams doesn't play. Marlon Mack has an ankle injury. This is kind of a serious thing. 
He had an ankle injury in week four, was able to return to the game for snaps, but then came back off the field. He only had about two touches before he came back off. After the game, he said he would play in week five versus Kansas City. I mean, that's just him talking on the sidelines. But newsflash, it's not really up to Marlon Mack what happens. It's up to the coaches. (laughs) This is true. He didn't practice today, again Wednesday, so he'll need to practice sometime later this week in order to suit up. But he has... Uh, recently, I think it was in week two or, or week three, had a, an, an injury that was unrelated and still uh, didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday, but ended up suiting up for the game. Now, what's interesting is Jordan Wilkins, who's only 3% owned, has been more than serviceable in short yarded situations in the past. He's averaged, in fact, 5.6 yards per carry in 2018. Jordan Wilkins came in with uh, Naheem Hines as as new rookies to the Colts organization. And Wilkins actually outplayed everybody in that organization and on that team, but he didn't end up winning the starting position. If he's there in place of Marlon Mack, I can see him doing pretty well here in this particular matchup. Naheem Hines, on the other hand, is more of a passing back guy. He's only 20% owned, and he's proven he can be a PPR asset as long as he's out there enough. Last year, he had 63 receptions for 425 yards on 81 targets. So if you have him in PPR, he's a great guy to bring out there if there's no Mac. That means that probably uh, a half or or maybe a third of of the snaps are going to belong to Hines. You just told everybody to drop him last week. (laughs) Well, Mac was foresee. You're supposed to foresee these week five injuries. Injuries change everything, my I friend. Know, I know. Uh, going up against Kansas City, you and I both know that there's going to be a lot of points on both sides of that coin. They're not going to shut them out like the Patriots. Kansas City always allows points uh, on the other side. Yeah, there could be fantasy value available on the wire, and that's the important part right now with teams with injury problems, teams with bye week issues. If Matt can't get healthy, Hines and Wilkins, or maybe even both of them, could have value playing against Kansas City. Uh, do you have any input on that situation? Uh, no, I, I think you've summed up the cold situation pretty tightly. I just would comment that apparently spine boards aren't very good. <laughs> uh, you know, you're not supposed to keep people on them for more than like 30 minutes. They're you're not still doing research on spine effective. boards? No, I just kind of read the Wikipedia page really quick because <laughs> right. I knew that Marlon Mack was injured. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I think that I, Jordan Wilkins has got to be the guy. He's a short yardage guy and probably the guy to get the touchdowns. Uh, if it, it's only in PPR, well, Hines get the, gets the the passes, right? Yes. Yeah. So I could I would assume that Wilkins would get if Mac is completely out, like the early down carries too, right? Yep. So not just short yardage, but a lot of carries, like maybe twenty attempts in the game. Yeah, but because they're playing against Kansas City, there's probably going to be tons of third downs, which Hines would be in. I I just feel like the backfield. Well, in I don't general, know that Kansas City's offense is so great that they're holding them to third down all the time. We'll, we'll, we'll be converting even. We'll see what happens, but we both kind of like Jagoe Percet as moving the football. Um, but I don't think that Indianapolis is going to have a great offense, especially if they don't have T.Y. Hilton healthy. That's the big, yeah. That's the best player on the field for them. Yeah. Um, so let's bring up Tevin Coleman. Uh, special request actually from Mike. So uh, Mike, let us know what you think about this particular advice or analysis. Coleman is seventy percent owned. Uh, of course, he started the year almost one hundred percent owned being one of the guys that was going to split the carries in the 49ers' backfield. He's been trucking around in a walking boot for a few weeks now. Uh, it has been removed, I think, as of last week, and it appears that he'll practice this week, so he may suit up as early as week five against the Browns on Monday Night Football. But I I don't know that that will occur. We need, we need to watch Thursday and Friday practices and figure that out. Uh, a high ankle sprain usually carries a timetable of two to six weeks. 
depending on severity. So uh, it was week one, right? Yeah. So it's all within the realm of possibility. Yeah. We've seen all the running backs. So let me go over them real quickly. Matt Breda, who's currently 82% owned. Raheem Mostert, 29% owned. Jeff Wilson, 6% owned. All of them have put up yards, passes, uh, touchdowns, and carries. So it's likely that some clarity will return to the backfield with Coleman and Breda healthy. And the reason I say that is because Shanahan has said multiple times that he likes Tevin Coleman and he wants the backfield to be Coleman and Breda. The reason why it's all of these, uh, this sort of mixed up group of, of, it's a hodgepodge. Of, of backfield runners right now is because he doesn't have what he wants. Sure. And it sounds like Jeff Wilson could be inactive or cut. Once Coleman comes back. Yeah, I mean, you don't need four active running backs. No. So I, I agree with you, and I think Wilson is a is a really great goal line shove it in there kind of running back, but it's not necessary if you have three active running backs that can all score touchdowns. Right. I think you'll be fine with the crew that they have. So what I'm looking forward to is just a little bit of, uh, you know, figuring out the situation, <laughs> to be honest. Some more clarity will be nice, and we'll get it once Coleman's back. Yep. Well, we'll see how he's actually used. So, uh, moving on to wide receivers, we have Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams has a toe injury. Last week, he had 10 passes for 180 yards. What a great night for Devontae Adams. That was amazing. He didn't score any touchdowns, but hey, even in a standard That's why league, you drafted Devontae Adams. Yeah, standard league, 18 points. Uh, in a PPR league, you got 28. It's, it's pretty great. And so, that was against the Eagles. Um, he did... The Eagles have sort of a depleted secondary right now, so it's not surprising that a guy of his stature as a receiver did so well. The surprising thing um, that is very unfortunate is that he injured his right big toe pretty badly by getting it caught in the turf. And I've done a lot of research on turf toe over the years when we've talked about injuries. I was really interested. We talk about A.J. Green, uh, Calvin Johnson, all the guys that have had turf toe injuries. Yeah. I mean, they've gone from being out for one week to being out for the entire season. It's true. I mean, it's, it, it varies a lot. It's like a concussion. So according to the reports... Concussion of your toe. Yeah. So according to the reports that I've read from experts in the medical field, as well as beat reporters close to the team, we're looking at an absence of two to four weeks for this specific severity. Um, the team hasn't put out that information, but that's what we are given uh, from doing a little research. That could put Adams back in play at week eight or nine. I think they play Kansas City in week eight. Uh, that might be a good time to come back, you know, because they're going to need somebody of, of, of his caliber to beat a team like that. Uh, week 8, KC, yeah. In the meantime, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's 70% owned, and Geronimo Allison, who's 32% owned, will see more snaps. Neither is particularly exciting to me because those guys have dropped a bunch of passes. Those guys have not had a lot of yards after the catch. Um, they may end up picking up, you know, but, but I did want to present to all of you out there one interesting under-the-radar option, and I like to do this on occasion. And if he, if he blows up, then bully to me, right? And if he doesn't, then we move on to week six. Bully preview. to me. He was my preseason pick to to blow up on was this he? team. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So Jake Kumero is zero percent owned. I think it's Kumero. That's fine. That's what that's how I'm gonna go with it. Uh, only Jason owns him, so he's actually zero percent owned. Zero point zero 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 one. They don't even have the pronunciation on uh pro football reference, but he did go to Whitewater and he went to high school in South Elgin, Illinois. Yeah. So, uh, so he's a local boy. Sort of local to us, but that's not the reason why I'm bringing him <laughs> that's up. That's true. 
he did really well in the offseason and preseason. He had great chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, uh, both 2018 and 2019. He was undrafted, um, but like I said, he had all that great chemistry. He was injured last year in 2018 and only had like a snap or something. He had 11 targets, 8 catches. He appeared in 5 games. Uh, it, 100 yards, though. Not, not very, touch. not very much. It was this year where he only showed up for a snap and then got injured. Right, he played uh, in the Minnesota game. One catch for twelve yards. Hundred percent catch rate. Good, there you go. good on you, guy. Hundred <laughs> percent. One, one for one. Um, so I, he, he just started practicing in full after an injury earlier in the season at that game. He's only logged nine receptions total, but he has shown all that chemistry that we just talked about. And he is technically Devontae Adams' direct backup in his position when you talk about X, Y, and Z receivers. It doesn't mean that the snaps aren't, are going to go to him, but what it does mean is that if they run the regular routes like they do in practice, he's the guy that runs Adams' routes. That's good to know. And, and so if, if they're just going to bring him out there, if they feel good about him, uh, they, might, they might bring him in slowly, you know what I mean? It's kind of like how we're looking at Jordan Wilkins. Yeah, is that he's more of a direct replacement for Mac, though he may not be the one right away getting all of the work. Yeah, well, and the difference there too is that Jordan Wilkins has like 500 yards in the. Jordan NFL. Wilkins does have some <laughs> more experience than Jake Kumaro, but but it's harder to be a wide receiver than a running back. I feel like as far as um, like uh, intelligence, uh, well, for you have route to, running. Sure, route running is hard, but picking up blitzes maybe even harder. No. the Probably uh, protecting against the uh, the blitz is one of Making the hardest. Making sure that Aaron Rodgers do. doesn't die is like the most important job on the field. That's why you you always hear about that. Like these these running backs have all this talent and and we're so That's excited. Why Giovanni Bernard still has a job. Yes, because you know what the the Bengals might be better off if Giovanni Bernard was worse at his job and Andy Dalton wasn't playing. I still but this is a theory for later. I still love Giovanni Bernard. He gets no opportunities in this. Oh, offense. I'm a big fan. Uh, so, it, it throws me off, though. Just a completely digression. Uh, my team name is Giovanni Bernard in one league, and someone made me a trade offer the other day, and I thought he was trying to get Giovanni Bernard off my team. Oh, who do you want? It was like Golden Tate for Giovanni Bernard. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I'll take it. But no, it wasn't. He wasn't looking for Giovanni Bernard. Who was he, he looking for? He was trying for? to trade with Giovanni Bernard. What was the actual trade? Uh, it was Golden Tate for. Oh, the team name. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um. <laughs> It was Golden Tate for DJ Moore. That's because it must be a dynasty league, right? No, it's a standard oh. standard scoring league. Well, to be fair, you shouldn't have Giovanni Bernard in a standard scoring league. No, no, my team is named Giovanni Bernard. That He is not a player in this trade. See, I'm confused. It's, so am I. <laughs> the, so, the, the trade offer was Golden Tate no, no, I get it for now. DJ Moore. I get it now, but I think the solution here is clearly rename your team... To not a player's name in the Well, to NFL. be fair, it's Giovanni Bernard. <laughs> so I should be able to tell the difference. You know, I know that we're not trading uh, Jay Cutler when it says very Cavallari. I got it. it. Christian Kirk is my next wide receiver. <laughs> ankle injury, right ankle sprain, sideline Kirk, which is not great news for fantasy owners because he's had a really big amount of targets consistently from Kyler Murray. And that's been great. I think uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think something like seven or eight targets per game. Which Christian is really, Kirk. Really great for a guy who was just a rookie last year, a uh, new quarterback. As Kirk will likely miss. Christian Kirk or Christian Kirksey? Christian Kirk. Because Christian Kirksey is also an active player. As Kirk will likely miss at least one to two weeks. For that low-grade ankle sprain. And Demir Bird, who has a hamstring, is not likely to suit up against the Bengals at all. It looks like the main receivers there are going to be Larry Fitzgerald and Keyshawn Johnson. Keyshawn Johnson is 1% owned. But if you guys remember, 
in the offseason, in, in the preseason, uh, Keyshawn Johnson was getting everything. That's true. No relation, by the way. He was getting everything. So, I mean, they're going to see the, the target increase, along with the David Johnson, of course. Um, I think we'll see um, Andy Isabella get a few more targets as well. So, uh, on the season already, Christian Kirk had 37 targets. In four games, it's just over nine targets per game. Exactly. And Andy Isabella, who's 1% owned, has been pushed down the depth chart really far. He's not really prepared, according to uh, the coach, to be playing right now in this offense. But he could show up and become a major part. The news today, and you know, you take this with a grain of salt because they start so many wide receivers, is that he'll be playing on the outside. I that's as not a starter. That's not what Andy Isabella does. It doesn't make any sense. I agree, but that's what the coach said he would I, be doing today. So it's from Roto World is what he's talking about, and I, I like Roto World because it's a constant source of news, but I don't believe it all, and I don't trust it all. It uh, wasn't uh, what I'm saying. I believe was a um, a quote from the coach. And not just, you know, commentary. Yes, they said Andy Isabella would be playing outside. Right, mostly outside receiver for the time being. But again, it doesn't make I guess it, it doesn't mean necessarily that he'll be playing there a lot. It just doesn't make any sense. Because Andy Isabella is a small, fast uh, uh, slot and possession receiver. Well, so is Antonio Brown. He's only 5'10". <laughs> okay. Uh, but the, the idea here is that Andy Isabella, I mean... Okay, we talk about guys like uh, like Jake from the Packers, and here's a guy who hasn't really played at all. Um, Isabella has hardly played any snaps either. He has no targets on the year. And, and I don't see any reason why Andy Isabella would suddenly start getting targets in that offense. Um, and I like the idea that maybe he's just putting him on the side as a, as a decoy on the outside because he's fast and he can bring people downfield, and that way he can, uh, he can still... Put a lot of targets in that that small uh, line of scrimmage area. Okay, um, but I I just don't I don't understand the the logic behind that. So I didn't I didn't include it um, in my conversation. I just thought it was important because the coach actually had said it. That's yeah, all. I don't know if I believe things coaches say. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but it's good to bring up. So I appreciate that. Jarvis Landry, another concussion. He uh, had his biggest day ever last week. If you look at the stats purely, uh, went out with a concussion in the second half. He actually could have had a, a, a bigger day, but we need to look and see if he'll be able to play or not. Now, they play on Monday Night Football. He should be able to get out of the concussion protocol. It is not as though Landry has had tons of concussions. Um, I, I don't think it'll be a major issue, but if he doesn't play, then you need to look at Odell Beckham Jr. as having even more targets than he normally does because Landry has been sucking up quite a few, uh, not even counting last game and Antonio Callaway would probably play in his position for the Browns but I don't have a lot of faith in Callaway and he just got off of a four-game suspension I believe was he taking too many tums I'm sure that Callaway was like dealing pot or something ridiculous no it was a um, substance abuse exactly that's pretty much everybody who's coming back this week Golden Tate Antonio Callaway um, Benjamin Watson all these guys were um, PEDs uh, Kenny Stills, hamstring issue. He was becoming one of Watson's favorite targets. In fact, he moved up the depth chart past Kiki QT when QT got injured. 
the interesting thing about this conversation is that Kiki Cutie is now healthy and Kenny Stills is injured. So <laughs> Kiki Cutie was really good last year. He had a couple of games that were over 100 yards, had tons of passes, great in PPR. He was uh, a really great slot receiver guy. Um, he's a quick guy for Deshaun Watson. So I don't see any reason why if Stills has a soft tissue injury, QT won't just step up because he's available. Um, you know, one of the best times last year with Deshaun Watson was when he had QT and Fuller. And they worked together really well, the three of them, obviously, as well as Hopkins, um, to, to form this offense that was kind of unstoppable in a lot of games. As I see them moving up against Atlanta with that same group of people as did so well last year, I feel like they're going to score like 40 points. They should be scoring that many points. Unfortunately, they can't block anybody still. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's about chemistry. Um, I, think, I think it'll be good here. Yes, they, they have a problem with their offensive line. It's going to continue and carry over. But the Atlanta Falcons aren't good at anything. <laughs> this is true. So if they're going to have a game where they break out and score a bunch of points, it's going to be this week. And I think QT will score a bunch of points. Fuller will get his touchdown. I think Hopkins will get over 100 yards. I think Watson throws three touchdowns. I think Houston just kills it against the Falcons this week. Yeah, I don't understand how they lost to the Panthers at home last week. Because the Panthers' defense is better than you think. I guess. I think it's maybe just Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yes, I mean, he, he scores everything on that offense. Yeah, he is that offense. And now that Newton's gone, McCaffrey runs more and gets more targets than he did with Newton there. He led the team in rushing and receiving, and I bet he does that eight more times this year. That's amazing, <laughs> because I own McCaffrey in a couple leagues. Uh, tight ends, my last guy to go over is TJ Hawkinson. Oh, before, I, I wanted to touch on T.Y. Hilton because I, I mentioned that. Uh, he's still not practicing. He's got a quad. Um, he was inactive last week, and that's the reason why I didn't really include him in this particular uh, summary of injuries. But it doesn't look like he's going to play here in this week, which is what I was talking about right, they had him. They had to take him out of the game in week two yeah. or week three because they were worried that he would tear his quad off the bone. <laughs> Yeah, so he needs a little time. So let's not, you we'll, know, push that. We'll see Paris Campbell and uh, and Deion Kane and Jack Doyle, um, those guys. So they're going to have to score a ton of points against the Chiefs, but then they get a bye, and then maybe we'll see T.Y. Hilton after that. Yep, so Hawkinson looked great last week. He pulled in a touchdown 27 yards early in the game against the Chiefs. Um, he is a really talented guy, um, and on that Detroit team, he's going to get a lot of looks. But what's unfortunate is that he didn't just suffer a concussion this week. He came down so hard on his head and shoulders that people are worried that there's some other things going on, Why too. Why does he have his shampoo out on the field? <laughs> it's it's all that dandruff, man. It's, it's just falling all over the place. Um, so... <sighs> It's really unfortunate for him being a rookie and being so lauded so early in his career and having this kind of an injury. So you land on your head and shoulders, kind of split it. He's got a concussion. He looked like he was unconscious on the field. But in addition to that, he might have a major injury, which they were not required to reveal any details of, and they didn't because they have a bye this week. And um, I don't know if we're going to find out any information until next week. But I'm quite certain that the guy had x-rays and MRI and the whole nine. He might have a dislocated shoulder, a broken collarbone. I don't know. Um, and the good thing is that Adam Schefter says he won't be put on the IR according to Detroit personnel. So that means that he's not going to be out for um, you know more than five or six weeks. So he'll be back this year. Uh, but the problem is 
Hawkinson has been has been good as a young tight end and has been really good for the Detroit Lions offense, which includes Matt Stafford and Kerryon Johnson. All those guys, they depend on someone like him to be able to make those first down catches, to be able to split the defense wide on third downs. So it's it's important to have that guy. Also, he's an incredibly good blocker. In all the games, when he hasn't been getting targets, he's been giving room to carry on Johnson. So I really like the game of Hawkinson. I'm a little worried about him, and we'll we'll see what happens. But because he has a bye this week, you don't have to worry about that too much. I would not be surprised, though, Jay, if they come out and say that he's going to be sidelined for two or three weeks with some kind of shoulder injury. Uh, that would make sense. He really took a nasty fall. That's really what it was. Yep. So we turn the page now to week five, and we look at some of these upcoming matchups, what you can exploit, what looks good uh, matchup-wise this week. Uh, just three games here. Doesn't mean that there's not more good matchups out there, but uh, we look at the Bucks at the Saints. So I want to try this one more time. Last week I predicted that the Saints would be giving up a lot of points to the Cowboys, and I was wrong. I admit it. I was wrong about fantasy football. But if I'm right, you know, 60% of the time, then that's not so bad, right? Anyways... Um, so I do have faith that the Bucks' offense is probably better than the Cowboys' offense right now. I think that Bruce Arians knows more about running an offense than either Jason Garrett or, um, oh, the name is escaping me now, the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys who uh, was the backup quarterback for so long. Kellen Moore. I didn't even have to look it up. It finally just popped in my head. So um, I like what I've seen out of Jameis Winston. The last 10 quarters, Tampa – has scored 96 points. Uh, Jameis only has one turnover during that time. Godwin and Evans are putting up huge numbers. Uh, we talked about them earlier. I think Jameis Winston needs to be in your lineup if he was a free agent at all. Um, he is definitely like a startable quarterback this week. The Saints are giving up the second most points to opposing quarterbacks. I know that they had a good game last week, but I just think that the Bucks are too good right now uh, to get bogged down by the Saints. I think that they're going to be putting up 30 points in this game, something like that. Um, so I think Ronald Jones is another guy you can start. Obviously, you're starting Godwin and Evans as well. So Ronald Jones' snap percentage has gone from 12 to 31 to 49% in the last three weeks. He has 20 touches in last week's game. Um, and on the other side, you know, Tampa is in the top 10, giving up points to opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers. Uh, but Teddy Bridgewater is still running that offense. I don't trust anybody uh, outside of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Um, is there anyone on the Saints who you like still? Nope. Nobody nope. on the Saints. And we talked about the Bucks earlier. Um, I, I know that you don't necessarily agree with me uh, when it comes to the Bucks, but would you be comfortable starting Jameis Winston this week as a streamer? So... To touch on uh, your question about the Saints, I think with Teddy Bridgewater under center, it, it makes everybody bad. And it's just Kamara and Thomas. Yeah, just the two guys, the only guys on that team that they run the offense. Right. Um, Bridgewater's not good at football. 
Um, and well, I say that he's way better than me, but you know what I mean. <laughs> he's on the Andy Dalton line, is what I'm saying. <laughs> he's below the Andy Dalton line. So it was pretty low last week, though. It was pretty low bar. They, Andy Dalton did lower the bar last the, week. The five point Andy Dalton line. <laughs> oh boy. So Tom Brady was just north of the Andy Dalton line last week. So I appreciate your analysis, and I agree that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a much better offense this year with Godwin Evans. And Winston, I I do think that Ronald Jones is someone who's very much up and coming, although his success is going to depend directly on how well the passing offense is doing and how well the offense is doing in general versus the defense they're playing. So if the passing offense is doing well, you think if they can play with a lead that they're going to turn to Jones more? Yeah, which is why why he's been doing well. And Peyton Barber's uh, snaps have seeded to Ronald Jones in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that Jameis Winston is still Jameis Winston. I think he will give up big plays. I think he will be inaccurate uh, because he is still Jameis Winston. Um, and Bruce Arians is not going to change that fundamental fact about that quarterback. And, and as such, I think that the New Orleans Saints did a good job against the Cowboys. They will also limit the Buccaneers. But I, I don't think that the Buccaneers will have a bad game. And if you're streaming quarterbacks, I think Jameis Winston is top 15. I don't know exactly where I put him in my rankings, but he's probably like number 14 or number 13. Um, I don't think he's going to be a bad option at all whatsoever. I do not think that I'm as as high on him as you are. Um, Okay, let's take a look at where you put him. He is number 14. Exactly. Very well done, Dave. <laughs> to my own, to my you know own your own rankings. Oh, check out our website drink5.com for Dave's rankings. Uh, it's updated throughout the week, so remember to check again on Sunday morning because when you decide to say, "Dave, you like this guy more than this guy," and he changes it on you, you should listen to him. I mean, let's be honest. I I updated. You all. told me to start Nick Chubb last week over like Mark Ingram and Marlon Mack. And that was the right move. Did you do it? No, but I wouldn't have won anyways. You should listen. I to got me, creamed in that league. <laughs> But but when you when you put a quarterback in the top fifteen, you're basically saying that he's going to score between fifteen and twenty points, right? And so uh, unless you're in the top three, you're probably going to be in that like range where you're fine. You know, you just don't want a quarterback that's not good. You want a quarterback that has an upside. Jameis Winston falls into that category. Fantastic. So the Cardinals at the Bengals. So these are two teams with eight games be- eight games between them. They should have won a that game. Win. By the way, the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, the Bengals should have probably won in week one, too, against Seattle. Mm. So, anyways, the Cardinals uh, sniffed the week one with a tie, as you reference. Um, but these two teams are combined 0-7-1. So, last week, <laughs> they both lost by three scores, at least 17 points. Um, and at this point, this is kind of like a pride game. I don't think either of these teams are pulling anything out for playoff hopes or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, one team is obviously on the up-and-coming. Well, they both have new coaches and new offenses, so... Um, obviously, you know, if Andy Dalton isn't working out, they're going to have to look elsewhere in the next year or two. The new coach for the Bengals is getting a lot of screen time. You, you watch the game on... Uh... It's because he once had a hot dog with Sean <laughs> McVay. They just, kept, they just kept going to him and they're like, we want to see some emotion. We know you're doing horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's because... It's because Mike Tomlin gives like two emotions: intensity and anger. Tomlin was was kind of happy last night. I I saw a face. There's of, a lot to be happy about. I saw faces that weren't a frown. Wow, that's pretty good stuff. It's called intensity. It's quality stuff. <laughs> intensity by Mike Tomlin. It's yeah, it's a cologne by by the. I'm I'm not gonna say it by Mike Tomlin. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, um, 
So it should the, just be Tomlin, shouldn't the, it? Yeah. Not Mike Tomlin. <laughs> Who's going to buy that? Michael Tomlin. By Michael Tomlin. Michael T. I don't know. Let's get ben over this. Tomlin. We don't need a cologne from Mike Tomlin. <laughs> it probably doesn't smell very good. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, so, uh, running back David Johnson for the Cardinals. He has a great matchup this week. Uh, he's basically guaranteed double-digit points in the standard league. And I will guarantee this. Do you know why, Dave? Because, because he's been trending up. Oh, I don't want to spoil anything for later, but I'm going to talk about the matchup here. I'm not talking about him later, but he has been trending up. He has been trending up. That's true. (laughs) So the Bengals have played four games and yielded double-digit points to at least seven running backs so far. There you go. Um, Those running backs are averaging 100 yards and a touchdown each. So all seven of those guys have scored at least 13 points. There's one other, like, named quarterback tj yeldon that played against them who had only a few points because he had no carries Mm -hmm. so everybody is putting up points on the ground against the bengals last week you saw jalen samuels and james connor put up good games uh david johnson is a shoe-in for a big game this week i wonder where dave ranked him who's that david johnson oh yeah well he's number eight david johnson is is always in the top 10 unless he's playing uh someone who's going to totally blanket like the first uh, couple yards. Five in PPR for Be- you. Because David Johnson is is almost matchup proof in that he's going to get either a bunch of rushes or a bunch of passes or both of them. Yeah. So David Johnson. Like last week he didn't do very well in rushing, but he had like eight passes for. 99 yards, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So because David Johnson should do very well against the Bengals, uh, it's going to open things up for Kyler Murray, take a little pressure off of him. I assume that he will be finding Larry Fitzgerald early and often because, as we mentioned earlier, Christian Kirk is gone. Kirk and Fitzgerald are like the main slot guys there. So with Fitzgerald being the only guy left, he's going to get a lot more work. Uh, Andy DiSabella, as we said, he'll be on the outside, according to the coach. Um, but the Cardinals run a ton of four wide receiver sets, so I don't it's think a little. I don't it's think it's going to be an outside receiver. It's deceiving. He may be in the game, but they're not going to be throwing him the ball. You know that Kingsbury really loves Andy Isabella for 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 more than one or two reasons. I I see. I think you're going to find him running across the slot in the middle, doing weird routes. Like I don't think. I think that's where outside. he should be. Yeah. So anyways, um, you know, I think that Fitzgerald and Johnson obviously are going to be good. Uh, Kyler Murray, if you are in a two-quarterback league, could be uh, worth throwing in there. Um, although at this point you've probably, unless your second guy is Matthew Stafford, you've probably already got somebody you know who you like there. You know what sucks about the Cardinals and, and the Kyler Murray situation so far this year is that they played a couple games that were harder than they seemed to be. Uh, and... Kyler still has, like we talked about last week, he still has like this um, uh, this floor of like 16 points. Like he hasn't really had does, a bad yeah. performance. He's but, very Minshew-esque. But the team hasn't done a whole bunch uh, of good things necessarily yet. And every time we talk about it, we always talk about how this could be their first win. This could be where they really break out. Um, I'm I'm hoping that it happens here against the Bengals because if it doesn't, if they don't score and run the offense well against the Bengals... I'm afraid that it's uh, it's not going to happen, and you know that's okay if this team takes a couple years to get where they need to be. But certainly not what a lot of people expected from. And not uh, what you want from fantasy performances today. Well, again, you're fine with like this sort of conservative 16 to 20, uh, and guys like Fitzgerald are scoring enough points. So is David Johnson. But what you want is is people that are out of control. 
Yes. You want like 30 points. You, you want high ceiling. Obviously, Kyler Murray is unlikely to do that for you, but <laughs> he has a solid floor. Very respectable floor. You know, trouble is he's got four touchdowns, four interceptions. Well, most of he's that, he's thrown I think, for a lot of yards, which is benefiting his receivers. It's it's really the offensive line and the pieces that aren't in place yet, and that sucks. That's yeah. like that's nothing we can do about it as fantasy. So because there's so many managers. mouths to feed in uh, Arizona, because they always have so many guys on the field to throw to, I think that Fitzgerald is really the only one you can rely on at the moment, and David Johnson as well. The other ones, I, there's nobody else there who I'm recommending to start, like we may have been for Christian Kirk. Uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so I like Keyshawn Johnson. I think Andy Isabella could be interesting, but all those are speculative grabs in deep leagues, and they're not people that you should be picking up off the waiver wire in your you know 16, uh, 16 slot. And I think we can PPR agree that league. the Bengals are crappy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, clearly the Cardinals are superior with their one tie. It's uh... Yeah, that's a world of difference. <laughs> They're infinitely better. Yeah. So the Ravens are playing the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Uh, so traditionally, this matchup is a defensive struggle. I do not think it will be this Sunday, however. So the Ravens have given up over 500 yards of offense in the last couple weeks. Uh, and the Steelers finally figured out their offense last week. Mason Rudolph had a very efficient game. I think he was 24 of 28 passing for you know, mid two hundreds. He threw a couple touchdowns. Uh, so not bad from Rudolph there. Um, I think, uh, not think, but I know that the Steelers are in the top 10 for the most points against, uh, in terms of giving up for against wide receiver and running back. Baltimore is in the top 11 in each of those categories as well. So, uh, both teams yielding plenty of fantasy points to their opponents, uh, which will allow, you know, I, I point being, I think this is gonna be a very high scoring game. You know, the Ravens gave up 73 points in the last two weeks. The Steelers gave up 85 points in the first three weeks. Obviously, they had a much better game last week, but it was against the shitty Bengals. They have been downgraded. Um, And, you know, giving up three points to the Bengals, that is not a defensive performance that uh, I think that you can um, grade anything on. Good game, but show it to me against a high-powered offense. You know, if they give up 17 to the Ravens, then I think that the Steelers actually have something going on defense. But I think that both teams can easily get up to the 30s in this game. Um, so players on the Steelers to look at, obviously James Conner. I also like Jalen Samuels. It's clear they're going to um, – were they were they doing Wildcat with him in? Yeah, three times. He's been the quarterback uh, in that last game. Uh, he did really well at it. They like to mix things up uh, and, and keep the defense on their feet. But Jalen Samuels is one of those guys who is kind of like a, uh, uh, oh, what is his name uh, from a long time ago? The guy who was a kick returner, quarterback, wide receiver, um, three names, Steelers, um, maybe. Oh, Antoine Randall. Yeah, Antoine Randall. So he, re- he reminds me of him, not not because they're the same player, but because he's a guy who can move around everywhere. Nobody's Randall. He's like my favorite Madden player well, ever. Samuel's really great, though. You could send him on as a wide receiver. He can be a tight end. You know, he could be a blocker. He could be a quarterback. He could be a running back. So I, I really do dig him. Um, I like what they did. I know you, uh, you're going to talk about Juju, who has to get involved and hasn't been. And the reason for that, to be honest with you, <coughs> is that is that Juju has been sucking up all the, the defense, the secondary. So Yeah, he, i got to imagine that he's drawing a lot of double teams right now. Well, he's now. getting carried or, or, or covered or double covered, and so he goes out, and then what the Steelers decided to do this last week, because they were having trouble throwing the ball downfield in uh, the previous game against the 49ers, who have a better defense than you think, by the way. <laughs> um, 
they they were using that to their advantage by having uh, two running back sets. And then when you have the two running backs out there, you've got uh, both Connor and Samuel, both of them that can catch, and the tight end, which will be better with McDonald, but Vanit's still able to do it. Uh, then you have three guys coming out early as, and three wide receivers as well. And so there's no way for the secondary to cover all of those players. And so there's going to be someone open, and the Steelers' offensive line is one of the best Well, they don't have six available pass catchers on the field at the same time. That's too many players. Well? The, you can only have five. Sure. Um, so I guess unless you're running, well, the quarterback is technically eligible. Well, the, <laughs> five. But what I'm saying is, uh, you've you've got a whole bunch of uh, pass catchers coming out in strange formations uh, and things that they're doing that they haven't done before as as the Steelers organization. Yeah. Um. So I, I like that. So James Conner uh, did not practice today because of an ankle injury, uh, but he also played the whole game last week. So he already said similar thing. He said it's no issue again on Twitter. Yeah, a similar thing happened last week where he was taken off the injury report by Thursday. So keep an eye on that. If he doesn't play for some reason, Jalen Samuels will be very valuable. Uh, so you know you may want to keep him as a backup. Or I think he's still like going to be valuable regardless. Yeah, he is the kind of handy, handcuff that I love to have. Well, because he's got value on his own without the guy ahead of him going down. Yeah, well, in the in the first couple of games, he was just a handcuff. But if they're going to continue to use him in this manner, which is... Um, right. With Rudolph in, he's much more valuable than with Roethlisberger in. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I also I question uh, the, the statistics on the Steelers' defense, just for me, because when you look at the Patriots, 33-3, to for example, um, and then the Seahawks, 28-6, to and, and both games you had Roethlisberger in, uh, where he had an elbow that didn't work, and and they didn't have Fitzpatrick yet, and yeah. and they were doing just horrible in that first game. So a lot of those points are sort of artificially placed there by New England destroying them in Week One. I, you know, I I just want to see them have a good game against a good offense. Well, are the yeah. Ravens a good offense? Yes, they are a good offense. I mean, they were a good offense. I still think that the Ravens are a good offense. I mean, they can they've put up points in these games that they've lost the last couple of weeks. They just uh, are giving up so many points that they can't keep up. Or they're sort of blindsided by it, in fact. Um, so elsewhere on uh, on the Steelers, obviously, we talked about Juju. I like Deontay Johnson as well, especially if you've got bye week uh, troubles or injury troubles or something like that. He had six t- targets and six catches, and this is an offense with a lot of short passes, although they did find Johnson scored the deep touchdown. It was like a 44-yard touchdown. Um, so in a PPR league or something like that, I like Deontay Johnson uh, as a kind of sleeper. Um and then you've got on the Ravens, obviously, Lamar Jackson. He's been dominating. He is the number one fantasy player so far this year, about 10 points ahead of uh, everyone's favorite, Patrick Mahomes. So, obviously, you're going to be starting Lamar Jackson. So, when his team is losing, as they were in week three, week four, he found a way to put up the garbage points in order to have good fantasy games. I mean, he's a he's a, a a little bit of a rusher too, so he gets that kind of artificial padding. He has a very good floor. Um, in the first game was fifty nine to ten Ravens, so clearly that's also padding their statistics. So Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, who are the sort of main targets in the passing game on the Ravens, they put up um, you know they they didn't put up good numbers last week. Uh, I think Andrews had a touchdown, which was kind of like accompanied by twenty yards or something like that. But they both had a lot of targets, and I think that the targets are going to continue all year. Obviously, this is a team that is going to be throwing the ball more than everyone expected because everyone expected to run the ball 80% of the time. 
Um, so they have a good balance now. They're uh, running and passing uh, with, you know, effectively on both sides. So uh, I, I like Andrews. I like Brown. I like Jackson. I would start them along with Mark Ingram. And don't be surprised, as I was saying earlier, if both teams put up at least 30 in this one. So play the over is my, my recommendation. You know, I didn't include Marquise Brown in, in the, the trends, but if you look at what he did over the past couple of weeks, he had 147 yards in week one, 86 yards in week two, 49 yards in week three, 22 yards in week four. Um, 13 targets in week two, nine targets in week three, seven targets in week four. The trend is all going down. I, I find it hard to believe He's that... He's still seeing the most targets on the team, I along find, with Andrews. I find it hard to believe that there were any issues playing against defenses such as Miami and Arizona and Kansas City. He had a big game against Miami. Yes, Miami was an outlier for the Ravens. <laughs> Miami is an outlier for everyone this year. Yeah, they're on a bye this week, which means no one's going to score 60 points. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take two teams to score 60. That's right. West Jamaica That's well, lovely. West Jamaica. <laughs> uh, last segment on the show tonight is uh, uh, trends. Uh, we're something that I like to do, and and I I didn't have enough time. Let's be honest, this week to really get into specifics. But what I wanted to do is celebrate a couple of players' trends, whether they be positive or negative, and explain why they are what they are, and whether or not they would continue going that way. So let's start with uh, Matt Stafford from the Lions, who we spoke about um, in some detail earlier this evening. When we look at him from week two, he had kind of a a down game um, versus the Chargers, where he had 245 yards and two touchdowns, but two interceptions. So um, unfortunately, uh, that game was pretty low scoring. It was 13 to 10, ended up being a lot of defense. Um, so that's why you, you only saw 17.1 points from him. Now, week three, he actually went down, but in my opinion, um, it, it kind of trended up for me because they scored a lot more points in that game. They won again against the Eagles, and he passed for 200 yards still, 201, and a touchdown and no interception, so he was able to protect the ball better, and they did a lot of rushing, uh, and the defense uh, did well in that game. So the the team itself picked up, even though the points went down. And then we saw, uh, continuing that trend of Matt Stafford and the Lions, I guess, just doing better in general, playing against Kansas City. They lost. If you saw that game, it was actually very close. It could have been Detroit's game. It came down to those final last couple minutes. Uh, they lost 34-30 to Kansas City. But in that game, he threw for 291 and three touchdowns, again, with zero interceptions. So if we look at the Chargers game as the outlier with two interceptions... He's really done well this year in general. I'm not even including the first week against Arizona where he scored 27 points, three touchdowns, 385. His best game of the year so far. But it was also the worst defense. So I, I, tend, mm-hmm. I tend to throw that kind of stuff away Mostly, a little yeah. bit. Um, but, but that said, Stafford has been good. He's on a bye week right now. I don't want to talk about him too in depth because he is not a week five player. However, 
Uh, he's still available, like Jason pointed out earlier in the evening, in either 52 or 51% or 53%, something like that, of, of Yahoo leagues. So if he's available in your league, he should, in, by all means, probably be a, uh, a starter on a team. And if he's not, at least pick up uh, this guy to play as a bi-week replacement or as trade bait, because going up against teams moving forward, like... Uh, the New York Giants, Oakland, Green Bay. I think that he'll continue to have games where he scores 20 points in games where it's kind of a shootout sort of situation. Yeah, unfortunately for him, he does have to play Green Bay, Minnesota, and Chicago again. Well, Green, Green Bay actually doesn't Or he have, actually hasn't played any of them yet, so he has to play them all twice. Green Bay doesn't have that uh, that good of uh, fantasy points against quarterbacks, I don't, I don't think. Sure, they're a tough defense on... On the field, not on paper. It's more like uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers challenges you to throw more touchdowns than he does. Yes. He's and, been losing that challenge this year. Yeah, well, and he's going to play without Devontae Adams against the Lions probably in Week 6. So. Oh, we'll, yeah, that's true. We'll see. Uh, do you agree with, with that sentiment that Stafford's just kind of moving up? We already talked about it a little bit earlier. Sure, I definitely agree that he is trending up uh, where his points say he's trending down. No, they don't. Well, I mean, it went down, 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 up. In my opinion, his performances have He's been getting better and better because of the interceptions in Week 2. But I'm not talking about Week 1. I'm talking about the last three games. Uh, 17 to avoiding the two interceptions to a higher score. I, Because all of you can't see what's in front of me right now, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to, uh, uh, to no, discussion I, later. I, 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 we both like Stafford. <laughs> Jordan Howard is the next guy I wanted to bring up. He is on the Eagles, of course, traded from the Bears as a running back, and he is uh, basically the 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 starter there. They did pick up Miles Sanders as a, a rookie in the draft, and I do believe that Miles Sanders is going to be a guy that gets more work as the season moves along. However, uh, Sanders, although he's had some runs that have looked really good, etc., has not really um, put the shine on to the coaches. He has not played in a manner that is going to get him more carries early in the season. When we look at the trend here, we see uh, week two versus Atlanta, Jordan Howard had only eight attempts for 18 yards. Week three versus Detroit, Jordan Howard had 11 attempts for 37 yards. Still not very good as far as uh, yards per carry, but they were being stuffed up quite a lot. Uh, He did get a touchdown in that game which sort of cast the call for him to be used more as the, the goal line guy as opposed to Miles Sanders. And then in week four versus Green Bay, of course, uh, he scored two touchdowns on the ground, 87 yards on 15 attempts. So a great performance versus Green Bay. You can say whatever you'd like about Jordan Howard, but he's not an old player. He's certainly a player True. that has uh, has shown to be good in all these situations for the Eagles in the past couple of games. And he's a guy who's that veteran guy that will lead into Sanders. So I think it's more likely that as the season progresses, we still see Sand- or, uh, Howard as as the, the lead guy or the guy that the ball goes to in those situations that are very important. And Sanders as the guy who, uh, who kind of gets some, uh, some potpourri moments. Yeah, that makes sense. I I think this week Howard playing against new the New York Jets should be able to have a good game because they'll be up in a lot of that game, I expect. Um but I mean a thirty one point game, don't expect that again. I think you're gonna see a lot more like what you've gotten from him 
you know, throughout the year, which is under 10. Well, his attempts have gone up every single game. Yeah. So that is a trend not to be ignored because they're relying on Sanders less and Howard more. Um, and, of course, you're right. No one can ever expect 30 games every single week. Well, and they have a rough stretch after the Jets game. Unless you have uh, Jamal Charles at the last half of 2016 in your PPR league. Yeah. Then you can expect 30 points per game. Well, I mean, you know, you're talking about the the Patriots having an easy schedule. These guys have one of the roughest schedules. The Jets are easy, but then they play Minnesota, Dallas, Buffalo, all on the road. Chicago, they get a bye before they play New England. Sure. Like, that is going to be really rough on the Eagles. Thankfully, the Eagles can move it downfield, and they're still scoring 24-plus points per game regardless, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I just, you know, uh, you know, Jordan Howard, not a guy who blows my you know my skirts up, or whatever that phrase is. Well, he was on the waiver wire in most leagues, and the fact that he was able to be picked up as a person who's going to score touchdowns on the regular is surprising and exciting. How PC of you, Dave. He is a person who scores touchdowns. Oh. <laughs> You're making this hard for me, Jason. So, two more guys here. I'll try to slough through it here. Adrian Peterson on the Redskins. He has uh, been progressively worse each week after he became the starter when, of course, uh, famously, Darius Geis came down with the same ACL that he had last year. He will never play another snap in the NFL. Probably not. So week two uh, versus uh, Dallas, he had 10.2 fantasy points. That was 25 yards and one touchdown. Uh, I'm not including the passes here, uh, but th- there are a couple sprinkled in. Uh, suffice it to say that he was the focal point of the offense in that game. When they played Chicago, he only had 37 yards on 12 attempts and zero touchdowns. He started to to, to see uh, Chris Thompson filter in, and Thompson of old, uh, at least of 2017 or early 2018, is a, is a great back that is multi-purpose um, and probably more valuable in a Redskins team that's going to lose every game. Uh, versus the New York Giants, they lost 24-3, to and of course Adrian Peterson didn't have a good game there either. Now, if they're going to lose every game, he's not going to have a good game, and that just makes sense. But it's not just that. He's not being used because he looks old. I've seen footage I watched. he's not effective. I've watched a couple of uh, YouTube videos, which I often do, um, with people that that, uh, that look at specific plays over the course of a game. And when you look at Adrian Peterson running now, even if there are holes that are open, he's just not able to take advantage of them. He's finally hit that age that we always hope that Frank Gore gets to, but he never does. He's hit that age where he's going to be done this year. And if he's not... He's not going to have very many carries or he'll be a backup veteran presence next year because he's just not playing. You know, He's not playing the way that he should be. He's, he's just not good against these teams. And Chris Thompson's not the guy either. He might score more points than Adrian Peterson, but AP is not going to be a good running back this year and you need to cut him from your team. Concur, 100%. All right, last guy on my list is DK Metcalf. Again, he's trending down as well. If we start at week two at Pittsburgh, 13.6 points. That was seven targets, three receptions, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Remember, first of all, that this guy is a little rough around the edges. This guy is a rookie, and he was drafted to be the red zone and number one wide receiver target for the Seattle Seahawks. 
Of course, they have Tyler Lockett, but he's nothing like DK Metcalf, which is basically like uh, DK Captain, Metcalf is like one and a half Tyler Lockett. He's the Captain Holt of among men, you know. <laughs> so uh, week three uh, against New Orleans, he scored seven point seven points. That's six targets, two receptions, and sixty-seven yards. What do we find in common between those two weeks? He didn't get most of his targets. He's having trouble, and he did in college as well, uh, corralling in and grabbing those targets. Uh, but he is often used in the red zone, and that is really great for Metcalf. Now, versus Arizona, he scored 1.1 points. He had four targets, so again, they tried to get him involved um, less and less every week. One reception for six yards. Now, this sounds horrible, Jason, and, and should we go down with the DK Metcalf ship? Uh, the answer is yes, because <laughs> because um, the usage in Arizona, for example, was was not the way that it should be. They were beating Arizona the whole time. They didn't have to use Metcalf. They won it, you know, on the ground. They won it with short passes, and so they didn't use him. Now there is a chemistry issue between Wilson and Metcalf, and Metcalf needs to get better at uh, situating himself to to get those jump balls because he's bigger and stronger than all the guys around him. And and again, I've looked at some of the YouTube videos in depth about this guy as well. What we see is that some of those targeted throws to Metcalf, especially the ones in the end zone, have two or three guys around him. So it's not something that we can put down to Metcalf just being a bad receiver or bad at jump balls. It might just be something where um, you know that's going to be a usual problem for a guy that gets a lot of red zone targets. He's a developing rookie. I really am down with DK Metcalf. Buy low on him. I did earlier today. Um, you know, and I like your comparison to Captain Holt. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I'll wrap it up. I, I that's all the guys that I wanted to mention, and especially with DK. Um, just because someone's trending down doesn't mean that they're a bad fantasy football player or that you should ignore them or that you should cut them. And the fact uh, is that a lot of times it means you should buy them. So when we look at the... Buy the young guys, the rookies who were drafted high, who they're going to keep pushing. Don't try to buy low on Adrian Peterson. <laughs> well, I, I would say you could do that if they have a bunch of good matchups upcoming, but that's not really the case. Um, Maybe if they're not on the Redskins. Yeah, or if they're the Redskins at all whatsoever. The only person on the Redskins worth value this year is Terry McLaurin, and he's not playing right now, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, Metcalf uh, should have some good games in the future. Going up against the, uh, the, the Rams, Cleveland, Baltimore, and Atlanta, those teams sounded a lot scarier last year than they do this year. I'll tell you that much. So did we want to make any bets on uh, some of these things that we disagreed on? Maybe. Um... Well, I don't agree with you about the Tampa Bay game. Okay. I, d I don't agree with you about the... I think that Tampa Bay is going to go to New, New Orleans and win. I, I, I don't care who wins. I don't think that Tampa Bay is going to score a lot of points. I don't think that Jameis Winston specifically is going to score a lot of points against the New Orleans defense. I think that Jameis Winston will score 21 fantasy points. Yeah, I'm cool with betting against that, but I'd rather parlay it somehow. Okay. Because I also don't think that, that Baltimore will score a lot of points. And uh, I also don't think that Cleveland will score a lot of points. Um, so so we're talking about 49ers, uh, the Steelers, and the Saints versus uh, Baltimore, the Browns, and the Bucks. Right, but are we going to pick a fantasy player on each of those teams? No. Uh, I would like to just go with, um, I don't know. 
You're, you think there's going to be a lot of points. I, 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 I think that maybe we could do some kind of uh, an over-under on the amount of points that the teams that you think are going to score a lot of points will score. Okay, do we want real-life points or fantasy points? Well, that fantasy points, how are you going to do that? With the quarterbacks or with the whole team? Right, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't want to talk about this too much just at the end of the broadcast, right? Okay. How about we do it with real-life points, uh, and we talk about those three teams, which all start with Bs. Um, the Bucks, the Browns, and the... The Baltimore's. And the Baltimore's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Bucks, the Browns, and the Ravens. So... I guess what what I think is that is that those teams won't score over an average of twenty four so points. So are you going to take all the S teams, the Saints, the Steelers, and the San Francisco's? <laughs> yeah, it works out perfectly. <laughs> so I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I would say that that. How those... about I take all the points from those from my three, and you take all the points from your three? No, that's not the bet. Uh, my point okay. was was that those teams are not going to score as many points as you think they will because the defenses are better than you think they are. Okay. So I would say, um, based on what you've said about, you know, uh, what did you say about the the Ravens scoring thirty? Yeah, and the Bucks scoring. Um, I mean, against the Saints, I think the Bucks probably can put up twenty four at least. And the Browns scoring. The Browns are playing the Forty Niners. You said east. you said they're all going to score a bunch of points, right? So yeah. So what are you going to give them? Um, you want? Can you? Do you want ninety points? Do you I don't know what they're. Them? I don't know what they're. Oh, you mean all three? Yeah, combined. Oh, you want to give me an all three? Yeah, I want to parlay it into one big bet. Oh, that's why I wanted to just do one team. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Give me eighty points for the three teams. Yes, that's fine. So, so we'll we'll bet on uh, we'll bet on dinner or or beers or something for the next podcast, and that's going to be uh, if. The if all those teams score eighty or more points combined, yeah, then uh, then you win the bet. Fantastic. All right, so so good luck to you, sir. Uh, you know what will suck is if I I'm right about two and the other one scores sixty. <laughs> <laughs> well, if one of them can put up like a forty spot, then I'm in really good shape. You are in really good shape. That'll be fun to watch, though. All right. Well, there we go. So uh, would like to thank everybody for listening, uh, whether it's now or later. And again, uh, make sure to check out the website at drink5.com. We've got a bunch of writers working all the time. We've got rankings going on, injury reports. Um, we've got random uh, um, facts and figures and, and player news and all sorts of stuff. So check us out again Wednesday at 9 p.m. Central Time. And we'll bring in uh, week six. If you have any idea what the theme was for this particular show... Again, please email Jason at drink5.com or Dave at drink5.com with your guests. Cheers, guys. <laughs>